You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we're back with Talk the Talk. You know, this this uh, crazy medium that we work in of radio, it, um, it has for the century plus that it's been in existence. It, it offers so much. It's a way for people to stimulate commerce. It's a way to entertain people um, with everything from comedy to music, which just enhances our lives. But it's also, uh, it provides uh, a forum where people could really impact uh, on the public good, and in particular on the lives of others. With us in the studio is uh, a radio host of the Hustler Files. She created the Hustler Files, which happens this uh, in this uh, station, WHMP, every Saturday morning at 9.30. It is Lisa Riley. She's a 25-year veteran of this media industry, and thank you so much for being with us, Lisa. Buzz, I am so humbled and excited to be here. Oh, it's great. So you have been interested, um, as are Bill and Dan and I, in criminal justice and prison reform. You've been doing that for some time. Why don't you tell us how you became interested in that and the intersection between your interest in criminal justice reform and your radio show, which is Hustler Files? Well, I've had this amazing media career and in 2017, I randomly got an email on my computer that was a notice about a newsletter from a group called Inmates to Entrepreneurs out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was doing media production at the time, and I took a look at this article and read it, and I just, something struck a chord. I just said to myself, this needs to be a TV show, this needs to be a radio show, whoever started this organization, they're doing God's work, in my mind, in helping formerly incarcerated people, men and women, uh, become entrepreneurs, and that sort of started the journey, and I reached out to them, and we had a conversation, and from there, I developed a podcast off of that. That podcast is The Hustler Files, so you developed it as a podcast, and... um how did, how did it develop into what it is now, a Saturday morning radio show? So I was doing this in California. I took a break and went out there and to see if that's where I wanted to continue my media production. And I realized I wasn't, but I did 12 episodes out there and I met so many people. But what happened was that it led me down other paths. So I would be meeting with the head of prison reform and corrections for the state of California. I went to Sacramento and met with them. And I worked with groups like Defy Ventures, which is not a locally known group yet, um, but they're a national group and they go into prisons, private and um, state, and they help with the entrepreneurial journey of incarcerated individuals, men and women, where they develop their own. They do an eight-month program, and they work with them through volunteers, and they develop, uh, these these incarcerated individuals develop um, entrepreneurial companies, and then they have competitions, and they bring volunteers in. And I got the chance on two occasions to go into these state-run prisons and see how this piece worked. And that just fueled my passion for what was happening inside, um, behind the walls, because while there was a lot of great programs like Defy coming in from the outside, 
especially when I went to the women's prison in Corona, California, and I met with these women, and so many of them were victims themselves, and they just didn't belong there. And so throughout this whole journey, I came back to Massachusetts right before the pandemic. I'm from here originally, came to work for Saga Communications in media, and um, hoped that someday I could restart and and jumpstart this this passion project and in february that happened well i love that you use the word passion to describe your project there are a lot of worthy causes there are a lot of need people who need um uh, the assistance of others in order to get back on their feet you chose people who had been incarcerated you chose people who some say are in the bottom of the social bottom rung of the social ladder so why to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, I was always attracted, even as a child, to to sort of the bum on the street or the panhandler. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my grandmother would take me into the city for shopping days, and we'd walk by the panhandlers sitting against the you know the Kaufmans and those stores and. And I'd, I'd stare at them, and, and some of them were missing limbs or they'd been veterans, and, and just something always resonated in me even as a child. And I didn't – I watched a lot of Perry Mason growing up. I, I thought, like you and Bill, I was going to be an attorney. Um, but, but then, you know, paths took me in other directions. But that the whole entrepreneurial thing has always been very strong with me because I've had my own businesses over the years on and off raising my daughters – and then going into media in the mid-90s and realizing that I think I had a knack for storytelling. And then that whole, you know, it took 20-some years before I realized that this was something I, I needed to follow. So let's talk about The Hustler Files. In The Hustler Files, you bring in sheriffs to talk to. You bring in people who run programs in the prison. Well, why don't you tell us the kinds of things that you've been doing um, and what listeners who are not aware of what happens 9.30 uh, on WHMP every Saturday morning, tell them the kind of programming you do. So I love the locals aspect to what we're doing, especially here in Western Massachusetts, because we are so progressive in Massachusetts with prison reform and criminal justice. So I garnered the support of the three local sheriff's departments, Hamden, Hampshire, and Franklin County, and... Um, they've all been wonderfully supportive in bringing me opportunities for resources and people to interview and, and learn more about their programs because they're all very distinct in their own way. They, they have a crossover. And that's really been a growth for me uh, over the last 22 weeks that we've been doing this. We talk about fair chance hiring. We've had guests on who... Um, fair chance Hiring. Fair chance hiring. So it used to be called second chance hiring. And um, there are a lot of organizations, including Vera Institute of Justice, who are trying to change that language. Uh, part of that is, you know, not calling people inmates, calling them incarcerated. Uh, it's, it's not saying prison and jail, but saying behind the wall. Um, so there's a lot of language changes that even I'm adjusting to as a, a radio host. Which is not just about language, it's about state of mind, what, how we consider those residents of our, uh, our prisons and jails. Absolutely. And so I've been very fortunate to have the support of these sh three sheriff's offices and 
supplying the amazing resources and opportunities that they provide. But I also have my national base from years ago when I was meeting and talking to different organizations. And so I'm starting to sort of dribble in some of those conversations. For example, uh, we have an episode coming up in the future of a group out of California called The Last Mile, where husband and wife entrepreneurial team for the last decade have been, um, they create a software program where they're teaching uh, incarcerated individuals to code. So when they leave, they have a job. And a lot of these programs, the reentry, the recovery programs that we keep talking about, all go back to the fair chance hiring piece. Um, Mel O'Leary here in Western Mass uh, owns Meredith Springfield. He's been working with the Hampton County Sheriff's Department. We featured him on an episode. He's been hiring formerly incarcerated for years with great success. So when we talk about the fact that we are at a shortage on the employee end of the spectrum, um, there are a lot of qualified people out there. A few weeks ago, I had Craig Stevens here from Landscapes Northampton with three of his gentlemen. He's in recovery. He had a successful business, but in his 40s, he fell apart from cocaine use. So he gathered his, his strength and recovered and is still fighting that battle, but he only hires formerly incarcerated because it's what he knows and he believes in giving them a fair chance at a new career. Uh, Lisa, I'd, I'd appreciate knowing more about what you mean when you say that the uh, Hamden, Hampshire, and Franklin County Sheriff's Office are progressive in terms of their programming and their approach to persons who are behind the wall. What what do you mean by that? Or what does it mean as a very practical matter? I know progressive and sheriffs don't always go together for a lot of people. Um, I just think it's the internal programs, which is what I'm trying to share on the show every week, that we don't hear about. The media doesn't print um, for example, this well, it's week... Well, it's not exciting. No one got hurt. No blood. No no, uh, uh, no scandal. No, no sex. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but but what goes on inside is really important. I, I agree with that. I, I'd like you to share what you mean and what, what those programs are. Well, for example, um, there's a lot of educational programs. There are college programs. There are high school programs. There's opioid treatments for people that are you know, in desperate need of recovery. Um, there are uh, vocational programs like Hamden County has a woodworker shop and they have a sewing shop and they have a printing shop and uh, similar programs in Franklin County. And uh, there's work release programs where people, you know, local companies like R River Valley Co-op um, works with the Hampshire Sheriff's Department and will hire, you know, the right person to come in and in a work release program that's living in one of the halfway houses. So I try to feature these different programs and then talk to some of the people that went through them. The other thing I, I love about our Sheriff's Departments out here is that they will even hire people that have gone through their incarceration system behind the wall and then they come out and they go and get educated and you wouldn't believe the amount of people who have master's degrees that have been incarcerated and I've met with them behind the wall I've met with people after they've been incarcerated they're some of the brightest people I have ever met so I think we don't give enough kudos to what a lot of our our um, uh, 
criminal justice entities do to try to really improve the lives of the people that sadly have had to go behind the wall? We are speaking with Lisa Riley, the host of The Hustler Files, which uh, airs every Saturday morning at 9.30 here on WHMP. She gives new meaning to that uh, saying that we've all heard, that's not who they are, that's just what they did. And it only takes a minute, and that shouldn't segregate them for the rest of their lives from society, because we can't segregate them for the rest of their lives. So it's time to make sure that... um, and what Lisa does is she uses this medium, radio, to introduce us to not only those people, but to the programs and efforts on the part of so many to uh, recognize that they're members of our community. We're going to be back and talk with Lisa Riley more right after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back talking to host uh, Lisa Riley of the Hustler Files. But I think, Bill, right off the ticker tape, you've got some news. The Supreme Court has ruled that the North Carolina Supreme Court did not overstep its bounds. It had the uh, right to strike down congressional redistricting map uh, because it was excessively partisan. Uh, of course, the North Carolina <laughs> legislature has already gerrymandered it again since that ruling. But here's the crucial one of the crucial pieces of the decision. The court declined to invoke for the first time what's called the independent state legislature theory, which would have allowed state legislatures to cast their electoral votes in a presidential election, for example, to whoever the legislature thinks should be president, regardless of the popular vote in the state. And this was a serious challenge to democracy. The request was give the state legislatures the right to uh, cast their electoral votes for the candidate they want, not who the people voted for. Which so many red states are trying to do. And the court indicated that would not be permissible. So in that part of the decision is actually really important because there were four justices who said, yeah, let's have the Republican legislature vote for Donald Trump. We don't care who voted for Biden. That was the threat. We have survived that threat for the time being. Buzz, we go back. Well, I just want to say that the Supreme Court is surprising us in uh, in a number of ways, not as many ways as I wish they were surprising us, but nevertheless, uh, these last uh, days of the of this year's session are um, providing surprises and um, in some ways comforting. Headline from the New York Times, Supreme Court rejects theory that would have transformed American elections, transform being a euphemism. So let's get back to Lisa Riley, as important as that is, because your work, Lisa Riley, is really important too. So the last couple of shows on uh, on Saturday morning at 9.30 here on WHMP in the Hustler Files, which you created and host, um, there was an, imp- an important subject which you were exploring about um, residents of uh, incarcerated residents uh, and their need for medical treatment and other kinds of treatment. Could you tell us about what you've been focused on? So the last couple of shows we featured from both the Hampshire and Franklin County uh, Sheriff's offices, um, people who are heavily involved in their 
opioid drug recovery programs. So the Hampshire sheriffs, we had two weeks ago, uh, Dr. Katie, who actually oversees in-house their mood program, which is the medication disorder program, along with Mindy and a couple of the team supports. Um, That was a great interview. And they they're one of only two in the entire state that have this treatment program inside the jail, which is is very rare. And it's federally funded, um, which we didn't get a chance to mention on the show that day. But it's, um, it's very important because people show up and they may not have been incarcerated in the past, but they are... Um, having withdrawals or the, you know they've been picked up and brought to the jail and they need treatment so they don't die and um, Hampshire sheriffs can can deal with that in that moment and Dr. Katie uh, is certified in opioid drug intervention um, especially now with the xylazine and some of the other drugs that are hitting the market it, it's a really sad state and then last week I had Sheriff Donnellan and um, he is a Chris co-chair. Chris Donnellan from Franklin County. Yes, and he's, um, he's so committed. I mean, he was a state legislator, as you know, and he's, he's really had an amazing career journey, and he was here with Deb McLaughlin, who is the executive director of the Opioid Task Force out of Franklin County, and they have the same type of programs, and they're, they have so many people on call to just you know, go when it take, when, on a moment's notice to help with intervention. I'd like to note, it was not that many years ago when a person who was uh, dependent on, uh, for example, heroin, was picked up, brought to jail. They were brought in, and if they were made to go cold turkey, and it was horrifying. Cold, going cold turkey, by the way, has the effect of making sure that people, when they restart using drugs, that they never want to go through that again, and so they use more drugs. Um, it was a horrifying non-intervention. All the jails would do is make sure someone didn't die going cold turkey. That's what happened to people brought in. And this is a sea change in how our local jails treat people. Well, I just want to say it's a sea change because instead of saying that this is a criminal activity that they're involved in, it's a medical disorder. That addiction is a medical disorder that requires treatment. And both the Sheriff of Franklin and Hampshire County, you have had them on because they recognize that. It's so true, but I also want to mention that um, you know it. There's I had the chance, and I just want to bring this up real quick. The the chance um, a little bit ago, a few months ago, to visit with the Hamden County and Nick Kochi, Sheriff Kochi, had brought in this jails network from around the country, and I got a chance to sit in on some of this presentations. And we are extremely progressive. The rest of the country is not doing what we're doing here in Western Mass, and people come here to find that out. Well, what we're doing in Western Mass can be, uh, you can learn more about how we treat our fellow community members by listening to Lisa Riley's show, The Hustler Files. That's 9.30 every Saturday morning here on WHMP. Lisa Riley, I want to thank you not just for being here with us uh, this morning, but for all that you do to recognize that our neighbors are in fact, that's what they did. That was a moment. That's not who they are, and certainly not who they have to be. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining us on Talk to Talk, and remember, we're all trying to walk the walk. Right.